0: Now, back to your tech report.
1: Welcome back to your tech report. He is Mitchell Whitfield. I am Marco Flalo. Please follow along with us on all our social media channels. Those would be at your tech report.
2: Mitchell? Have you, have you noticed, I, I wanted to talk about, you know, we're bringing on our next guest, and, you know, which is, you know, the topic's incredibly timely, but have you noticed, as part of this intro... Uh, Apple's most successful uh, television campaign, their commercials, which I've been, I found kind of lackluster lately, lacking kind of the innovation and, you know, the spectacular effect. Kind of like their products, you know, unfortunately. Uh, Their ads have not been very good, but their new commercials, if you noticed, Mark, have been focusing on privacy. Have you noticed this? Their best more more interesting ads now are focusing on privacy. It's like, hey, don't look at this hand, look at this hand. Don't worry about our products not coming out on time. Here's what we're doing in in the privacy sector, but it really is important because this is the we talk about barriers to entry to products. When it comes to tech products, the biggest barrier to entry might be security issues and people not wanting to become part of a digital world that they can't necessarily control and monitor. What'd let, you say?
1: Let us welcome our next guest, Adam Levin, who's the founder of a company called Cyberscout. Adam, welcome to your tech report. Thank you for being here. Lots of questions for you today, I think.
3: And I thank you both, Mark and Mitchell. And I'm going to oh, do my look. best to figure out who's who uh, <laughs> as we go on. I appreciate the invitation, and boy, are we in a fascinating world yeah. right about now! Tell me about it. Let, let's
1: get some credentials out of the way, okay? Tell us about Cyber Scout, and let's let's give you guys a, obviously a good plug. Plus, you're also an author of a new book called uh, Swiped, right?
3: Yeah, well, Swiped's been out for a couple of years. It's been issued also in paperback. Uh, CyberScout is an identity protection and data protection company. We operate in the U.S., Canada, the EU, Asia, and Australia. And we do everything from identity theft education to identity theft resolution, identity management, breach preparedness, breach response, forensics, and election security.
1: So here's a question for you. Starting at, I guess, at that point, you know, I'm I'm a Canadian. Mitchell's in Los Angeles. He's an American. My perception is that the mass public think that ID theft and ID protection is a bigger thing in the U.S. than it is in Canada. Is that is that a common perception among maybe Canadians or my from my point of view?
3: I think that the reason why it may be a bigger deal in the U.S. is there's been much more conversation about it you know as you know all parts of the e u recently adopted the gdpr which is the general data protection regulation yep. which now requires more organizations to make public in the event they've suffered breaches uh, so i think that uh, in a world where breaches have become the third certainty in life it's a growing perception that this is not just an epidemic this is a pandemic and that we're all impacted but i think different parts of the world have reacted differently based on the requirements to make Disclosures, which have been uneven at best.
1: So, so how important is it from a regular, everyday kind of perspective, how important is it to seek out the information to make sure we're not doing things to, to expose ourselves?
3: Oh, I think it's critically important. I think the biggest problem we have today is that as a result of breaches that have been declared as well as those that have been unreported, uh, Between cyber war replacing the Cold War and breaches becoming an everyday occurrence, it's highly likely that the information of almost every human being on this planet has been exposed to people who have no desire to be your best friends. And as a result, it is more critical than ever for people to become aware of what the threats are, what the red flags are, and what the possible uh, opportunities are in order to manage or contain the damage as a result of it.
2: Hey, Adam, I'm going to make this easy for you. This is Mitchell.
3: See, it's diff- <laughs> I, I sound different, Mark. I know right. that. Hey, Adam, man, how
2: are you? Um, so e- here's kind of a basic question. We talked about, you know, years ago. You had these two parties. You had the people that were conspiracy theorists, or at least people thought so at the time. Uh, people have access to information. I'm never going to become digital. I'm, I'm staying analog. It's the safest way. And then you had the people who were blissfully unaware slash didn't care and said, "Oh, I'm, I'm diving right into this this digital world." Now I think people, those people that were not aware, are hyper aware, and I think. We have people that at least are partially educated on what's out there. So if you were giving basic information, either, you know, generically to friends or through your business, the basics about what does one do? We all have smartphones, tablets. We have connected thermostats. What's the basic beyond the, you know, choosing a safe password, the obvious stuff, the basics for people being aware and protecting themselves on a daily basis? Because we've come so become so entrenched in a digital world, we're involved digitally in ways we
3: don't even think about on a daily basis. Devices, correct. Oh, absolutely. Think about the fact that we're surrounded by more than 10 billion. That's Doctor Evil, Pinky to the lips, <laughs> B billion. Internet of Things devices, all of which are tracking, gathering, submitting, transmitting information about us. Uh, that that we're living in a surveillance economy. We're not just talking about a surveillance society when you're worried about government taking a look over your shoulder. We're talking about everything you do, everywhere you go, somebody who has a business interest is interested in getting as much information about you as possible. Uh their argument is this is enabling them to make products and services more accessible. Uh, better for you, more convenient to use, and then there's the whole rub between convenience and security. So right. in that kind of environment where hundreds of millions of social security numbers, millions of social inform- insurance numbers, all sorts of information with passwords and logon information and addresses and phone numbers are out there, you need to think in terms of what I call the three M's. Forget prevention. Forget it. We're beyond prevention. You have to say to yourself, how do I minimize my risk of exposure, reduce my attackable surface? How do I effectively monitor so that I know as quickly as possible I have a problem? And what is my damage control program? And in most cases, it's best to have a professional managing the damage for you. So the first M, how do you minimize your risk? Well, that's everything from credit freezes where they're available to strong, long and strong passwords or using password managers. Enabling two-factor authentication, so if, you, if someone attempts to log on as if they were you, you'll get a notification. Being careful about the links you click on, the attachments that you open. Securing your mobile devices. Um, not authenticating someone that contacts you, but rather only authenticating yourself if you contact somebody and they say, who the heck are you? Shredding. Serious stuff. So that's, that's one of the first M. The, the middle M, monitor, checking credit reports, knowing where your credit scores are, signing up for what's called transactional alerts so that you're notified by credit card companies and financial institutions when there's any activity in your account, looking at explanation of benefit statements coming from your insurance providers to make sure it was actually you that showed up for that appointment or had that procedure, getting more sophisticated monitoring programs, which are available in the U.S. and Canada, and then having a damage control program. And a lot of people don't understand that as a result of their relationship with a financial institution, an insurance company, or their employer, there are programs now available to help people through identity incidents. But many of those institutions aren't so great at letting you know it's there for you. So you need to ask... Am I in a program? If not, what do I need to do to get in it? Is it free? Many are, believe it or not, as a perk of your relationship. Or what's it going to cost? There's
1: so many ways that I could take this conversation. So let's let's start with a, with a, an interesting story. So I have a, you know, in Canada, I've, I have been a client of Bell Mobility. Um, I recently ended that relationship because I switched carriers. And they keep calling me to tell me that I owe them money, which... Whether it's true or not, they say, hi, we're calling from Bell. Before we get into anything, we need to identify you. And I say, no. (laughs) My reaction is, I'm like, you called (laughs) me. How do I know who you are? And I've had long conversations with these people because I'm trying to educate them. I'm like... I will get home. I will look up the number for Bell. I will call and I will talk to somebody on my time when I want to. But outbound calling and expecting people to give the information and the amount of people that do blows my mind on a daily basis. And no, I not it
3: It's entirely irresponsible on their part. And, you know, you also have to be aware of, of something known as simjacking. And that's when people convince a carrier that they're you and they convince that carrier to actually transfer the service from your mobile device to their mobile device because they create the impression they've transferred uh everything over to this, you know, new mobile device. That's why you need a pin number with your carrier and you never ever authenticate yourself to anybody that calls you. Ever hang up the phone, call whoever the carrier is and say, "Look, I don't know, are you calling me?" <laughs> They will tell you they have it on their computer.
1: Adam, do me a favor, stick around. We want to talk more with you all about this stuff. It is your tech report. He is Mitchell Whitfield. I am Marco Flalow We're talking to cybersecurity expert Adam Levin. Follow along with us on Twitter. It is at your tech report, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all at your tech report. We'll be back with Adam in just a moment.
0: There's more your tech report after this. Now back to your tech report.
1: Welcome back here, listening to your tech report. He is Mitchell Whitfield. I am Marco Flallow in Montreal. We are joined by Adam Levin, cybersecurity expert. Adam, let's continue where we left off.
2: Yeah, Mark and I are looking at each other over Skype, fighting to get in the next word. Uh, I mean, first of all, I, I, I was telling Mark, this guy is so smart, things I didn't think of. And, you know, you're so great at articulating the different things that people can do and giving people options, not only of how to fix things, but being aware of the problem. I think this is really the takeaway for me. Being aware beforehand is the best defense. Obviously, you know, you're not going to be able to stop everything, but at least using common sense techniques and tools, such as, and Adam, I mean, I I try and I don't know as much as you do, nearly a fraction of what you know, but even basic stuff, like when my family calls me and said, you know, I got an email from Google saying, you know, uh, something wrong with my accounts, of course I immediately logged in, I was like, don't do that no. Number one, stop doing that. Don't and click the one link. The, what, exactly. One of the quick things I do is, when you get an email that's suspicious from somebody, but before you even open it, don't, don't open it. Check the sender's email address, because in most email programs it'll tell you where the, where the email's coming from. If it doesn't end Correct. in apple.com, google.com, it usually is crazy sid at crazynails.net. Yeah. It's like, that's not Google. You can tell immediately that it's not from Google, it's not from Apple. So, there are some common sense techniques that people can use, like checking the sender of an email before even opening it, correct? Or
1: just hovering over links to see where they're linking to because people have gotten pretty smart. I mean, they've gotten pretty smart with email like I'm I'm getting, how many emails do I get a day from quote-unquote myself? you know yes. a, a, yeah. and that which is called email spoofing so just hover over links to see where they're actually linking to but people will take actual receipts Mitchell, like i've gotten from dropbox they'll take an actual dropbox email they'll copy they'll copy the source of it and they'll change a couple things for example where they where you go to log in and you'll right. think you're logging in and all they're doing is capturing your your information
2: that's awful
1: Adam,
3: see, Adam, see, i think it's, it's go ahead. i think it's important if yeah it's a, that first of all people understand that no person is too irrelevant, no government agency too unimportant, no business too small to get the interest of a hacker, that to each and every hacker we are Kim Kardashian. We got what they want, <laughs> either data, money, credit card information, or we are tributary to a larger river. So it's not so much who we are as much as who we're married to, who we know. who we work for, who we socialize with, that's problem number one. Problem number two, there are hackers, for-profit, cause, state-sponsored, or the guy in his mother's basement in New Jersey that the president likes to refer to, and that (laughs) there are the pantheon of ishings. Fishing, dear cardholder, dear member, dear account holder. Spear fishing, dear Marker Mitchell. vishing. That's when you get the phone call and they create the impression that they're the real deal or smishing SMS text based where you get a text that looks legitimate that tells you an account's frozen that asks you to click on that link and malware can be a problem for you in terms of stealing your data or putting ransomware in your computer or your phone and that's a disaster.
1: You know, my my son plays this uh, game called Roblox and... um... He, the way the game worked uh, originally, when you signed up, you didn't have to put an email address, and you could voluntarily put that in afterwards. And he, of course, like any other nine-year-old kid, saw an ad saying, "Oh, if you click here, uh, you can get free, free in-game money." Right? Oh, dear. So yeah. and he did it, and he and he and he comes to me one day. He goes, "I can't get into my account. I don't know what's going on." I'm like, "Did you go to one of those sites and did you enter your?" your username and password. He goes, yeah, it said it was going to, I'm like, Zach, I'm like, sorry, this is, unfortunately, there's no way for me to recover this because I never put my email address in, and, and and I've told you specifically, do not do those things because they're not there to give you anything, they're there to take from you, and his account, his account got hacked. Thankfully, right. there was no personal information whatsoever in there, and all they got was whatever his accomplishments were in the game, but it was a, it was a, a hard life lesson for a kid to learn, let alone the amount of adults that that click on links.
3: Well, and and the reality is this. Children, when it comes to mobile devices, especially if that has anything to do with their parents, can be unwitting weapons of mass destruction. (laughs) And that what parents have to keep in mind is that with all the apps that kids download because it's the newest, coolest, shiniest app, and with all the different ways that they're lured into things, they could be clicking on a link that could not only cause enormous problems for the family, but also can cause enormous problems for the places members of the family work. If, as so many places do, they allow bring your own device, which I lovingly refer to as bring your own bomb, uh, to work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So here's a question for you, speaking of bring your own device. So Mitchell opened up this, this segment talking about how Apple's focus is on is on privacy and security. Is the iPhone really any more secure than any other device out there?
3: They've historically been more secure, but and I think that they are showing this is sort of the realization of a theory that was developed by Anne Kavokian, who was a former information and privacy commissioner for Ontario, now head of big data at Ryerson University, which was privacy by design. Building privacy privacy in at the core for products and services, not bolting it on, and then using the fact of that privacy as something for marketing that will differentiate your organization from others. So Apple certainly has focused over the years On greater private doesn't mean that they haven't been gathering information although they're not trying to make it more device centric but as you use more and more services for many of these huge companies you are de facto giving more and more information uh, which means that regardless of how much they extol the virtues of privacy they're still in there collecting the information and if anything goes wrong with them you've been exposed
2: yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here, Mark and I are both sort of like shaking our heads because this can be paralyzing this information can be completely paralyzing to the point where you realize as you said at the beginning, which I think was in, which was correct, there is no way to 100% be protected the things are going to happen and knowing this, it's very easy to sit there and go back to that guy that sits there with a tinfoil hat on somewhere in the woods with no connection to the outside world saying, well, they're not going to get my information and I, I could see people going there quite easily and, you know, I, I think more than anything is sort of what we alluded to before common sense has to kick in at one point and using the basics the basics that you were talking about the three m's the idea of checking your emails just and mark your idea actually i'm learning from both you adam and mark the idea of like control control the flow of communication be the initiator not the recipient of if there's anything in doubt call them Empower yourself to be the one that makes the call to find it. Yeah. okay. At least I know now I'm originating this communication to this company. So there are ways to protect yourself, but
3: it's very easy, Adam, to sit here and go, "I never want to pick up a phone again." You know, even with no, 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 and and you're you're a thousand percent right. But people have to understand that look, unless you're going to live in a log cabin on Loon Lake and off the grid, which most right. people aren't going to do. That you're living in a world where we are interconnected, these things are going to happen. So it just means put on your your grown-up pants and understand this, even though people don't want to. We as consumers have a shared responsibility. Government hasn't done enough, business hasn't done enough, and frankly, we haven't done enough. And as a result, we, we weren't prepared for it, we didn't ask for it, and we sure as heck don't want it, but we have it. So based on that philosophy, it is as much our responsibility to do everything we can to protect ourselves as it is for us to get really upset with those who are not protecting us properly and either vote with our feet by using other vendors or Mm -hmm. vote actually at the ballot box to turn people out that aren't willing to fight for new protections for our privacy.
1: Adam, I, I could probably keep you on the phone for another hour. but I'm He's gonna, great. <laughs> I'm going I'm to ask you uh, one last question, which might you know, take another hour to answer. But um, looking back at the history of blunders that Facebook has been through, or at least the ones that we know about over the past several years, is it safe to even be on that social network anymore?
3: Well, the reality is, Is it safe to be on any social network anymore? You know, people have this tendency to overshare every morsel of their lives, every photograph that they can get their hands on. And as a result, they're exposing themselves. So what you say to yourself is, look, because it's a fact of life, because Facebook actually was created with the theory that privacy is dead, even though they're now trying to claim that they're clawing it back, just be smart. Don't give up too much information. For instance, real simple final thought: when you create, you know, security answers to security questions, they give you lie like a superhero. Bottom yeah. line is, they don't need to know your mother's real maiden name, where you really went to high school, what your, your best friend was, real name where you married your
1: wife. Yeah, I know. yeah,
2: yeah,
3: that's it. Lie. The key thing is just be consistent and be don't don't be so creative you can't remember. But just be clever in a world where not everybody's your friend, the majority of people aren't your friends. They are frenemies. They're there to get as much out of you as possible. And if you say, well, I'm gonna give up Facebook, that's great. The problem is, it's not great, because if you use Instagram, that's Facebook.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> if you use WhatsApp, that's Facebook. Oh, wow. And these, you know, these platforms are bigger and bigger. Don't hide. Don't, you know, burn off your uh, fingerprints and hide (laughs) under your mattress and turn off the lights. It's not the way to live. Just say to yourself, it is a reality that I'm probably going to get got. I just need to know as fast as possible I have a problem and I have a plan and know that if they get certain information, like a social insurance number, like a social security number, that's the skeleton key to your life. And you're going to have to keep looking over your shoulder and you're going to have to be more alert and more vigilant.
2: You know what, Adam, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna end my part of this with just a, a reference that will probably date me because I'm an older fella. And I remember that great scene from a movie called The World According to Garp, based on the great book. Yep. And when he's standing there, they're looking for a house to buy, and the plane crashes into the house, and he says, I'll take it. It's like, what do you mean a plane? Dra-? He says, well, what are the odds of that happening again? So maybe that's the <laughs> approach people can take to Facebook. Maybe because they've been so exposed, maybe Facebook will be the safest place to end up going, because you have to think, what are the odds of it happening a fourth, fifth, or sixth time? <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Although, I'm sure people said that after the first and second time, so what do I know?
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Thank you, Adam, and thank you, LG, for joining us to talk all about that G8 ThinQ. It is your tech report. On behalf of Mitchell Whitfield, I am Marco Flalo. Thank you for listening. Head on over to youtube.com slash yourtechreport, and of course, yourtechreport.com. For all these interviews and way more.
0: You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on slash Your Tech Report. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, YourTechReport.com.